Hi, my name's Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and I'm here with contemporary jeweller Anna Deverne. I haven't seen Anna for a long time, no. so welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you. Anna, you're an interesting one because you you you're very serious about your work, but there's always that element of humour. Yes. So people who don't know your work, just think of um, Anna's done things like um, metal or steel, kangaroos, corgis. There's a lovely brooch that my wife has where there's she's sliced up the brooch and she's put little diamonds around the outside, but it's, it's kind of an image of the queen with her corgi from memory. Yes, yes. I did that. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in Australiana and Australian identity, um, which, of course, comes with my background as being a... Um, a British heritage, so I like to mix up the um, imagery from the monarchy as well as imagery from kitsch Australian souvenirs. So generally, Australian souvenirs and biscuit tins, which are metal, which as a jeweller, it's a really lovely material to work with. Um, I choose the biscuit tin lids that have got images, and generally the souvenir images are of Australian flora and fauna or the landscape. And then there's also a lot with the, the images of the monarchy. Um, just a bit of background on Anna, because, you know, you really have been going almost 30 years. Yes. So it's a long time. Um, you did your under, undergraduate at um, Sydney College of the Arts and then uh, did an honours and master's at RMIT University in gold and silversmithing. Yes, that's correct. So what did you learn from that? What, why and why oh. did you be even before we start talking about yes. your work? Why jewellery? <laughs> because I, I wanted to make pretty things to wear, and all my jewellery friends laugh at me when I say that because I should be more serious. It should have been a more auspicious start, but I was um, trying to get work in the television industry in Sydney where I grew up, and I was doing part-time jewellery making and life drawing classes, and I just fell in love with them, and I realised that making things with my hands was what I really wanted to do. So that's when I went to Sydney College of the Arts, and one of the greatest things from my education there was being um, mentored by Margaret West, who was an amazing contemporary jeweller who was an ex-RMIT in the 60s and 70s. And she built the Sydney College of the Arts Jewellery and Object Design Studio into this amazing, very conceptually based course. And what I learnt from her and from being there was that education is really important and that the... Um, Education is all about teaching yourself how to learn. So while there was a certain number of skills-based um, elements to the course, it was very conceptually based, but we were always encouraged to investigate any techniques or anything that we wanted to learn in particular. And what did you do your thesis on at RMIT? On... Um, uh, a tactility, which is something that I still work with today. So I was making work with um, using materials that encouraged you to touch and play with jewellery because I really love the fact that jewellery as an art form um, has this other element of tactility that, say, traditional visual arts don't have. So I was making things with velvet and with flocking and large heavy things that really made you aware of the tactile nature of things. 
Um, and I don't want to pigeonhole you, so I don't want to do that, but you do have a bit of a reputation for brooches. I do. Uh, mainly, Why is that? <laughs> and the thing is that I am actually a bit disparaging of people who only make brooches um, because it seems it's like a bit of a cop-out for, for jewellers um, to not have to think about the body. Um, sometimes, you know, it, you see, I, I mean, I love brooches. I love wearing brooches. They're a beautiful thing to wear, but you don't have to think too much about the body when you make a brooch. All you have to think about is how it attaches to a piece of clothing. But my use of the brooch is because I have this interest in identity and my I like to think that my use of the brooch is referencing um, ways of actually communicating your identity to other people. So thinking about the badge, you know, from protest badges or badges for bands that you really love, they tell people about who you are. And so working with Australian identity, I like to make large brooches that are really visible, that people see as soon as they see you. And there's an element of humour that kind of references the Australian larrikinism Um but also that, yeah, that they, I guess it, it talks about our history as, mm. as Australians as well. So you were mentioning just before we started, you did a diorama recently. Yes. Which was a major piece of work. It was a very large piece of work that I exhibited for Radiant Pavilion, the jewellery festival that happens every two years in Melbourne. Um, the inaugural Radiant Pavilion, I was in 2015, and at Egiatal, which is a gallery that I sell my work at in Melbourne, they've got a large display box, which is about two and a half metres wide, and it's about 40 by tall and 40 deep and I built a diorama that fitted within that um I'm sorry I'm just showing Stephen a photograph of it this is it exhibited at um Craft Victoria for the Craft Victoria Award in 2017 for the Craft Award but it was a large box and it had the box and I built the box is constructed and actually I got someone to construct it for me but it's um I used at the time, I was um, doing a lot of sublimation printing, so printing images that I wanted to use onto metal and mixing that up with images that I found on biscuit tins. So the images in the background are actually spaced like stage flats, so there's a real depth to it, and they're um, a collage of three different images from... Uh, uh, von Gerard, Von Gerard, Von Gerard, mm. I'm never quite sure, but some of his landscapes of Australia, yes. And uh, you can see that there are stage flats here with um, uh, images of um, the vegetation that were from, also from Von Gerard, Von Gerard and um, I've hand cut out these um, images that were painted by him. Um, and uh, the pieces that are in the foreground, mm. uh, the centre stage, if you like, yes. uh, uh, were they actually, can you remove them from the you diorama can. and then put them, I yes. know, as a brooch or earrings? Yes, <laughs> you can. So with these ones in particular, we're looking at um, three figures. They're uh, kind of very hybridised kind of creatures. There's um, two camels and each camel, one camel has got a British knight sitting astride it but facing the other way uh, with the head of a Siamese kitten and an Elizabethan wearing an Elizabethan ruff. And um, the head can actually be removed from the 
the piece and it can be worn as a piece of jewellery. Um, and then the other, he's called the Navigator because it was kind of based on the, the Burke and Wills expedition, which was tragic and, you know, they explored a lot and they achieved great things, but they, they, was, they didn't know what they were doing and they made stupid decisions and ultimately it was a, a tragedy. Um, so I kind of wanted to take a humorous kind of look at early exploration of a, a country and um, uh, so the kittens kind of like uh, were, were supposed to be the evil colonists um, who were in, in infiltrating this country. Anna, I'm going to get into trouble if I don't point out this gorgeous little ginger cat because oh, okay. he looks like my cat, Harvey, <laughs> yes. my treasured little uh, possum. Yes. And um, what's what's his story? Um that one, he is just a standing figure. This, these um, British knights come off a biscuit tin that is about knights of the British realm. So I think he was called the something or rather knight in charge of the Majesty's Garter or something yeah. like that. I can't quite remember. Um, but the, the he's got a ginger head and an Elizabethan ruff, and again, his head can come off and be worn as a piece of a piece of jewellery. Um, Anna, in terms of you know, your sense of humour, even yes. though you're British, well, yes. the British have a great sense of humour, yes. but there is that sense of the Australian larrikinism yes. and yes. quirkiness and really almost, um, it's not, you know, just throwing caution to the wind. Yes. In a sense, you do a lot of that with your jewellery. I do. It's. I guess it's about not taking myself too seriously and not not taking things too seriously generally, which sounds very flippant because, you know, when you think about Australian identity and the whole idea of colonisation and migration and um, uh, refugees, like they're very big ideas. And I have thought that I I quite like the fact that when you add an element of humour to something, it kind of makes it easy for people to look at and think about and discuss perhaps these ideas. Um, and... And not be, and be not afraid to turn away and go. Oh, that's too hard. But to actually maybe have a think about what it means to have, you know, the the, the hybridisation of the feral animal with the colonist and. Um, and I was going to say, you know, you have been doing a lot of uh, tin mm. brooches, but your work continually evolves. I haven't actually seen your re more recent work. What are you up to these days? Okay, because I don't want to call you the biscuit lady. Oh well, the, I am. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I although I I had an exhibition for Radium Pavilion this year, um, and I held it at Chapman Bailey Chapman and Bailey Gallery in Collingwood, yes. and they are, n are not a jewelry a gallery that represents jewelry. It's usually art, fine yes, art. It's fine art. I mean, they do show a small amount of jewelry, but it, I was really interested in kind of opening up my practice to a. a, a more diverse audience than just jewellers. And in that way, it was very successful. It was They were very happy with the way the work was exhibited. Um, but I also wanted to, um, while it was there was jewellery elements in the exhibition, I wanted to be a bit freer to make works that weren't perhaps specifically jewellery, but still incorporated elements of um, the, the tactile. So I'm just showing uh, Stephen one of the works I made five framed works that the show was called greetings from the colony and all of the pieces were kind of based on postcards um, and this piece is they're they're made from uh, reclaim material so that's um, masonite with um, a biscuit tin that's been cut up and there's a picture it's a masonite that's in the size and shape of a postcard in 
portrait mode and it's got the the decal on the edge so the the crinkle cut that you find on some old postcards and on the right here you can see that there's a little dial and the image of the biscuit tin is of a a very strange kind of like uh, island landscape with a, a boat there and I'm just going to press play there's no sound to it but a little hand comes in and turns the dial and the object <laughs> moves. So even though they are... Rough storms ahead. Yes. <laughs> even though they are just um, uh, postcards and works to go on the wall, they still do involve a certain amount of interaction. So this one has got Prince Charles and Princess Diana, and when you turn the little plastic kangaroo that's on the front of the, of the postcard, both of their heads spin around, and the image is from a biscuit tin of the announcement of their engagement. They were celebrating the announcement of their engagement. <laughs> so, uh, again, it's uh, it's very thoughtful because you've got uh, a string of pearls oh, yes. as the frame, which is very much what Diana wore yes. throughout the 80s, yes. the string of pearls. Yes. So, um, yes. And here's another one with a kangaroo bouncing across the landscape with some explorers looking on in wonder. So these pieces are really more... Uh, objet d'art they to put are. in a in a home that yes. you can just enjoy uh, touching and and yes. and seeing the movement. Yes, exactly. And I in with there was some jewellery in the show, and um, but it's not it's not like something like this piece here. It's a large biscuit tin. Uh, it's actually a tin tray, a willow tin tray, um, and you can't really get an idea of the depth here. But it's the images of a, an. A printed image that I find a lot of this image. It's uh, Roebuck Bay, I think, in Western Australia. And in the original tin that was probably produced in the 50s or the 60s, there is an image of two um, First Nations people sitting on a rock, so Australian Aboriginal people sitting on a rock um, overlooking a river. And because the story of um, Indigenous people in Australia is not my story to tell and it's... um, it's being the stories are being told by other Aboriginal artists. What I've done is I've actually cut them out, so I've removed their image, the image of these people from my work, um, and I think of it as a sign of respect that I'm not using their stories, um, but also referencing the absence from uh, contemporary culture and um, in the constitution and. Um, you know, in general daily life about, of Aboriginal people in Australia. And uh, at the front here, there's a, um, a a white picket fence that sits out from the front of the tray. And uh, just over on one side, there's a very small element that you it's on a hinge and it swings out and opens up. And then like you a front can, gate. Yeah, like a front gate. And then you can actually take the front gate off and it becomes a brooch and can be worn as jewellery. So it's very much about interactive work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being part of that... Absolutely. Image. So even if you've only got the front gate on yep. your lapel, yes. your mind actually goes back to the painting from which or the piece of work or the biscuit tin yes. or the lid that it yes. comes from. Absolutely. So even though people walk up to you and say, oh, Anna, why are you wearing a front fence? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not that. No, no. And, it, and then it, that enables the wearer to actually start a story with someone and talk about the work and talk about where it comes from. And, Anna, how do you generally start the process? Is it that you're a bit of a collector? You go around, I don't know where you find your things, I don't yes. know where you find your biscuits, eBay, eBay <laughs> and then you build a story on that? That's correct, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's serendipity and, um, you know, it, it is 
collecting and having boxes and tubs and tubs of, of biscuit tins and tin trays and cutting things out when I think that I see something that I want to work with. Um, and then maybe I've got like, you know, those filing systems where I just file all the things that have been cut out away. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I look on eBay and I scour op shops and things like that. And I, and I, it just, it has to speak to me. Like the piece has to have the right amount of kitsch, whatever that is, but it, it's what it's something that I can't describe, but that appeals to me. Um, and then I play with a lot of composition. So there's a lot of actually scanning the tins um, onto my computer and then playing around in Photoshop, moving things around, use, actually using Photoshop as a sketching tool to work out composition and how the story is going to develop within a particular work. So often it's not the original scene that you'll see on one of your pieces. No, no. It's really just the starting point. It's, yes, absolutely. Yes. What's your best find in terms of something that you oh. thought, oh my God, all my Christmases <laughs> have come at once? Um, what did I found something recently that was, I couldn't believe it. Generally, if I can find things with images of the coronation of um, the Queen, Elizabeth II, or images of her celebrating her marriage um, for under $20, then I'm wrapped because I don't think when things you know obviously I'm using a material that's very collectible uh, so if things are over $20 I often think twice because um, I know that the inherent the value of the object as it is is much higher than the value of the of well not higher than the value of, of what I could make out of it but it, but that someone would be absolutely horrified that I'd actually cut something like that up <laughs> When you transform something, whether it's whatever it is, do you use precious materials or are they, are they for instance, the brooch with the corgi and the queen yes. with the, um, that's been sliced up, yes. little diamonds around the edge? Are they real diamonds or just? I can't remember that piece exactly, unfortunately, but I do. Yes, I do. So you use real materials. I do use expensive. real materials, yes. So because diamonds. Yes. Well, I'd have uh, with the diamonds, I think they'd probably be chips. Chip. No, they'd probably be paste, so glass. Yes. But um, back to the big diorama that I had for um, at Egiatal, these pieces are. Um, they're again standing objects that you can remove. They're the knights that are standing there, and they've got kittens' heads with ruffs again that you can remove and wear as a piece, of, a jewellery, a brooch. But in their hands, they're holding the decapitated heads of the knights. The, the heads have come off the bodies, and the, the heads are dripping with um, blood, ruby, well, like entrails, which are made from ruby and garnet beads. So, yes, they are precious, and I do like to um, mix up the um, that idea that the materials are supposedly non-precious, but yet they're, then they're mixed with these other very And this is just a general question, but... Melbourne is probably one of the most extraordinary places when it comes to contemporary jewellery. I agree. Literally a leader in the world. Absolutely. I know that sounds really corny, but we are. It's, no, it's absolutely Why true. is it that we don't get more recognition? Or people like yourself and jewellers of the calibre that we're producing uh, get more rec recognition in Melbourne because the legacy is unbelievable. Yes. Why I, is it? Well, I think that the... Contemporary jewellery could 
possibly be better supported by institutions in Victoria and Melbourne um, in terms of collecting. But I think the institutions aren't collecting generally. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. That's such a yeah. difficult but question. But even covering contemporary jewellery and things like uh, magazines, newspapers, yes. why isn't it out there on a daily basis, given that it's so much part of the Melbourne culture? Yeah. I, I, Is I it too fringy? Is it just people who don't get it? Is it? I mean, God, contemporary jewellery is not a new thing. Heis no, Bucker introduced contemporary jewellery in the 60s. Yes, yes. I think it's possibly fashion, you know, that things come and go in waves. When I first moved to Melbourne in the 90s and 2000s, there was very big, and it's ongoing, the craft and design debate. Whether um, it's craft or yeah, design. Yeah, and I think that when I... Art. Yes, and craft had a very... Uh, big kind of resurgence at that time and I think now the pendulum's swimming back to design and I think probably um, within contemporary jewellery most makers would probably align themselves more with the visual arts than with contemporary design Um, and so that's possibly why Mm. that it it doesn't get get um, but after all this time you could honestly say you still love it oh absolutely Oh, yes, absolutely. I love making things. I love constructing things. I love working with my hands and building things. And I love the joy that I get when when people laugh at my work or, you know, really enjoy my work or when I see someone wearing something I've made on a tram. I, it really fills me with, with a lot yeah. of joy. Well, I can honestly say, Anna, your work has given my partner, my wife, enormous joy over <laughs> the years. To her for me. <laughs> and, and I'm sure many other people who really enjoy the humour, which mm. I think is so um, uh, right for Melbourne mm. and, um, and Australia. And look, thank you so much it for coming onto the program. Thank you for asking me. You've been listening to uh, jeweller Anna Deverne, who's really one of Melbourne's leading uh, creatives. And thank you so much for coming on. You've been listening to Stephen Crafty at RMIT University, talking design in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>